And mm-hmm. th- this meeting is now in order. Oh, good. Robinson rules. <laughs> Robertson's rules. Is it Robertson or Robinson rules? Oh, I think it's Robertson's rules of yeah. Uh, yeah. order. All right, everyone, we're back. I know it's been a long time. We took a bunch of days off, and now we're here for a couple days, and then we're going to be... You know, Freddie, it's our summer schedule. And, uh, you know, people our age, the three of us combined ages are, I don't know, something like 300 or something. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Yes. Not that much. Yes. Well, Dan has no idea how old he is. No, I don't. Why would I? What's Why is that important? Uh. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you why it's important because last night I'm on uh, CNN and uh, we'll talk about this later watching uh, a show on Watergate I, I was doing back uh, same thing I, I watched it last night too it was excellent and it's very interesting isn't it the January 6th hearings compared to that and the different attitude and how that country has crumbled become oh yeah Mentally insane. But yeah, anyway, but no, well. but just park. You know what? They, let's park that for a second because okay. I want to come back to that because no. I literally saw the same thing, and there was a, mm-hmm. there was something I picked out that you're that you're alluding to that we're going to get to. Okay, go now, Dan. Well, age, it was just uh, there was a clip, and it was John Chancellor who used right. to do the NBC Evening News. Yes, and I thought, yeah, he was one of those guys that did you know uh, American uh, six thirty network news that I always sort of liked, and I thought, is that guy still alive? So of course I googled it. Eh? I did my research. And did your research? <laughs> and uh, no, he died long ago, like yeah. in nineteen ninety six, at the age of sixty eight. Oh my god. And to me, he was always an older, distingu- uh, distinguished man. And he had been retired for a couple of years. And I'm thinking, wow. He got the stomach cancer eh, and passed away. Oh, no. But 68, that's like two years away f- uh, for me. You know, these are the, this is why age matters, Dan, in my Yeah, eyes, and, 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 not, and this whole bit you do. Right. <laughs> why, why does it anger me? <laughs> <laughs> this this whole I don't know when anyone thing happened. I don't know how old I am, or, or mm. when my parents passed away, or what day I was married, well, or what. Day. It's just this bit. bits run its course. Well, you guys keep bringing it up. I don't really. Uh, no, you're anyway, right. so you're right. So, uh, you're, right. Did, you're right. Did you uh, did you go through all the news anchors of the day? Then did you go through you know Brinkley no, no. and Cronkite and? No, no, I wasn't. At that moment, interested in them. Oh. I just remember John Chancellor, and I liked him. Right. Um, years ago, I was in uh, a place outside of... It's a, a resort in Mexico. Outside of Puerto Vallarta is a little resort. That's the resort, but there's a town called Zihuatanejo. Mm-hmm. And I was there with... Uh, Dan would remember... Remember I had that... That girlfriend from Chicago worked for Lero Burnett, but then she moved oh, to yeah. Mexico, and she worked for a big agency... Well, she and I, while I was visiting her, went to this little place outside of the resort. And Fred, there was a guy you remember. I don't know if Dan went. His name was Garrick Utley. Oh, yeah. And he Mm -hmm. was like one of those NBC anchor guys from the 80s and 90s. And I just remember being so thrilled that Garrick Utley was staying at the resort that I was at. And I'm like, ooh, look at us. I can picture him. Yeah, yeah. Balding guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Garrick Utley. Yes. Yes. Yes, and, Howard. And yes, year, years from now, they'll be doing the same thing. Remember that Dan Duran from the <laughs> Dini Pet? Is he still alive? Howard, 
Dan is in age denial. I figured this out. He so doesn't want to be a senior citizen. Oh, yeah. That he just tries to keep, which, you know, there might be some therapy in that. It might be a good idea because he's still a dashing uh, looking uh, young man. Oh, yeah. If you want to call it that. But you know what I mean, he doesn't look like an elderly gentleman. But I think he's the type that, like, overnight it'll take, like, over one, one winter people. Will go, what the hell? What the hell's happened to him? He was just the other day, looked great. Now look at him. He's all bent over and his hair's all wispy. The Dorian Gray uh, painting got <laughs> That is great. Just one, one winter, he'll come back all withered. He goes into the winter looking like Dan Duran, comes out looking like Mr. Smithers. <laughs> mm. You know, I was going to just funny, you, we were talking about age and uh, like all three of us, Fred, you've lost what, 14 pounds, 15 pounds? Yeah, around there. Yeah. Uh, I've been basically hovering around 12 or 13 pounds now for three or four months. Like, I got to my goal weight in the middle of March. Dan, you've lost some weight? Yeah, I've lost about 11 pounds. 11 pounds. But the funny thing is, I don't know what's going on, but, like, I have literally been around the same weight now for months. But people, I don't know, I'm getting to this point, which is, do you guys get any reaction from people like, hey... You've lost a lot of weight, or you shouldn't lose any more weight. Because I'm starting to get that from people. Like, I, I, it's like almost like, is everything okay? You know, like that kind of. Because when you get older, and especially for men, and you lose weight, sometimes it can make you look a little bit sickly. Uh, if, if I answer first, uh, the first step for me in that scenario would be to be around people. Yes, there's that, of course. <laughs> so. and, I, and you know what? That's halfway serious. I mean, seriously, I like I don't run in the circles that you do. Like, you I, know, I don't run like, in circles. You see a lot of people at your golf tournaments and your golf club. Yes, but I'm do. not running. I, I'm I not. don't. You run in circles. But yeah. what about you, Dan? Are, are you because I mean, there's a point where people go, "Man, you're looking great." You know, if you lost some weight, and then there's another point where they go, "You've lost some weight. Is everything okay?" <laughs> No, I've never had that. I've had a couple of, you know, you've seen it a little bit. and But no, I haven't had a, a lot of comment. I'm, you know, but I've fluctuated over the years around the, in, in this zone anyway. So right. maybe um, that's it. Yeah, like people would look at you, Howard, and go, you don't have the, the stomach cancer, do you? That, See, must funny, be a yeah. shitty, that must be a shitty cancer to get. Yeah, it's I mean, be. there's not a good cancer. I know that. There's not a good cancer. But the stomach cancer... Like, at least if you got the cancer, you want to be able to enjoy a good meal. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? But to have stomach cancer, Jesus Christ. Are you going to rank the cancers? Well, no, but he's making a good point. That's not one of the good ones. You know, on the other, and there's, there's whole, like, there's some horrible ones, but, you know, uh, that's for a different, (laughs) that'll be for our, our cancer (laughs) countdown show that we do. (laughs) Our, our annual. You know. You know, especially yeah. when you know there's a cure, but the man isn't letting us have it for all the money, monetary reasons. You mean Jesus? Yeah. yeah. No, the man. Oh, the know, man. All the people that are freedom. taking their freedoms. The freedom they, man. Yeah. They have a cure for cancer, and they're not giving it to us. Uh, all right. Well, listen, uh, we got a lot to get to, and there's a lot of people uh, on the show. Bill Brio is going to be with us once we actually start for real. And some other guests will join us later. We will have time to, you know, go over the issues of the day that we've missed while we were gone. And uh, tomorrow on the show, not only do we have a special guest in Kenny Robinson, 
who is a very funny comedian. I'm doing a show with Kenny and uh, Darren Frost in a few weeks. But tomorrow on the show, another member of this program is in a show himself. And we're going to get a preview, hopefully. Uh, I don't want to give too much away except to say that Dan Duran is once again returning to his roots. Treading the light, uh, treading the yeah. boards or whatever. The boards, the, the yeah, theater. that's it, yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, that's for tomorrow's show, then. We shouldn't, uh, <laughs> you said you didn't want he, to he, talk he, about he it today. Yeah, he doesn't want to talk, and he'll find a reason tomorrow to not talk about it, too. Dan, you <laughs> yeah. being on the marquee's got to be worth a lot of ticket sales. Oh, yeah. There is a marquee, well, isn't there, so. Dan? Yeah. yeah, It's a Peterborough production. It's a fundraiser. Dan, of course, uh, charitable. And uh, tomorrow we'll explain how you can see Dan mm-hmm. and watch him sing. People don't realize he's quite an accomplished singer. When I first met Dan, I was so impressed that he was an usher at a movie theater. <laughs> movie theater. <laughs> how many people did you accidentally hit with the flashlight? Whack. Doorman. Were then you I, doorman then I went or to usher? Doorman. No, no, I got... started as I, I climbed the ranks there. I went from right. doorman to I went from usher to doorman. Yeah. And then uh, trainee assistant managers where I topped out in the theater business. <laughs> There's so much we could talk about. Just think about that. You you said that, and I remember. You talk about age. You'd go to the movies, and a guy would usher you to your seat with a flashlight. Yeah. And then that disappeared. Yeah. Well, what, okay, what? You can't find your own seat? Well, this, this is it. Like, I mean, that was a like a cost at the time that it was absorbed without a second thought. Yeah. And then, of course, somebody came in and said, why are we paying this guy to do that? Let them find their own seat. <laughs> so I didn't realize we were going to even get. See, look, look where we started and look where we're at. But I, I, I'm going to tell you a story now because we're talking about movies. All right. You know, I've, I've told you both before I do this thing where, you know, even though I'm not eligible for senior citizen tickets yet because it's 65 and over, I always get them now because they're like 10 bucks. And I figure the kid at the who's taking your ticket he's not gonna know whether i'm 62 or 65 right mm-hmm. right but and doesn't care it doesn't care mm-hmm. but i for a few years now i think i've told you this dan i put on this little play where i pretend i don't know i i, I do this thing where i kind of shuffle over to I, I there's no reason i do this except it amuses me i shuffle <laughs> over to the kid i say i show him my ticket it says theater seven and i go this way he goes no sir it's you know he, i always pretend i don't know where the theater is and i sort of shuffle away therefore legitimizing my ten dollars senior citizen ticket are you with me so like far some, like yeah. there's some reason to close the deal or something i just yeah. I, mean, I told him i just do yeah, it yeah. for myself i want right. i i did it once to sort of see because this was before it doesn't matter why. Anyway, the other night I did this thing. I, my ticket said Theater 16, but legitimately, I, I, I was in my, I went to see Top Gun, and my seat was seat one, ILD, whatever, but I mistakenly thought I was in Theater 1, so I went to that thing where it says Theaters 1 through 9, and I go, uh, here's my ticket. He goes, no, sir, <laughs> it's Theater 16 on the other end. <laughs> I finally got the wrong theater. Legitimately wrong. I got the theater legitimate for the first time, and I just fucking started to laugh. I was like, okay, well, there you go, Howard. Now you are old enough to get the theater wrong. Mm-hmm. Anyway. But I got in for my ten bucks instead of whatever sixteen. This is another way to close the deal is just to stand there and wet yourself. Right? <laughs> that'll be, that'll and then be the, the kid next looks thing. at you and goes, oh, "So yeah. wherever he wants, yeah. <laughs> he's sitting whatever he wants." 
<laughs> Sooner or later, you'll legitimately wet no. yourself. It's just what I do is I wet myself before I go there, just so I have a sort of an odor of whiz. That guy okay. smells like yeah. piss. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> there you are, the poop and the pee. It's all <laughs> That's right. That is so funny, though. It just made me laugh. I'm like, oh, yeah, I got the wrong theater after all the chicanery. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, Dan Duran. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so uh, very much looking forward to the beginning of the show tomorrow where Dan will favor us mm-hmm. with a song. But first, here he is, ladies and gentlemen. This episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from Humble and Fred Studios in Toronto, Brampton, and from a bookshelf in Peterborough. And is brought to you by Bodog, Gig Sky, The Retirement Sherpa, The Chambers Plan, Health Gauge, Relaxacare, and DraftKings. And now here are two men who want to live in precedented times as they have had it with unprecedented. It's Humble and Fred. And Dan Duran's news, we'll uh, squeeze that in at some point on the show. As I mentioned, Bill Brio is going to be here. Checking in with a couple other uh, people as well. You know, gaps in your diet shouldn't be ignored, especially the women in your life. Over 97% of women aged 19 to 50 are not getting enough vitamin D from their diet. You know, I was with uh, both of my daughters uh, and ex-wife the other night. And I was thinking we we're talking about, you know, are you getting enough uh, this or that? Uh, apparently not not enough women are getting uh, you know all the vitamins and minerals they need in their diets if this is you or somebody you know uh, ritual is a uh, is essential for women 18 plus the ritual essentials multivitamin was formulated by exhaustive research to help fill nutrient gaps in the diets of women age 18 plus and as I say I've got several in my life Uh, The uh, vitamins are formulated to uh, support brain health, bone health, blood health, and provide antioxidant support. Right now, Ritual is offering our listeners 10% off your first three months. Again, if you've got women in your life as we do, visit ritual.com slash H-U-M-B-L-E and turn healthy habits into a ritual. That's 10% off at ritual.com. Slash H U M B L E. Ritual also just released Symbiotic, a gut health supplement with clinically studied prebiotics, probiotics, and a postbiotic, all in one minty capsule. That's ritual.com slash H U M B L E for 10% off. Fred. Hey, uh, if you're a sports better, go to Bodog this morning. Uh, check out the line of Game 5 of the NBA Final. It's the Celtics and the Golden State Warriors. Series tied at 2. Uh, tonight in Golden State, it's Game 5. And uh, the Warriors, minus 175, a sizable f- uh, favorite. The over-under on that game is 212 points. So whether you're a sports better, a horse racing fan, a poker or casino player, Bodog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment, from their industry-leading odds to their world-class sportsbook and feature-rich poker room to their fully loaded casino and racebook, they've been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. Uh, we got lots more to say about the Derringer thing. We're not going to get to it. I don't know if we're going to get to it now. There was a big article that came out in the Toronto Sun. 
and a lot of reaction, of course, still pouring in. Uh, you know, it's nice. We I don't want to get into again the we'll, we'll, on Wednesday. I've, I've accumulated some of the emails that we've received and some of the nice notes. Again, it seems. In- I mentioned this before we went away, but it seems interesting too to for me that part of the fallout from this and. I want to get, if, if you're feeling the same way, like just the people that reached out to us and some of the nice people that continue to reach out to us is very sweet. Right. And an extension of that, um, you almost like to accumulate several of those that come from inside Chorus currently. Oh, yeah. Working there and what a cesspool that is and and how over the years, and I'm talking years, over the past 20 years, some people that have worked there that long, some shorter. They weren't fooled at all. They all knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. And they were all disgusted at the way management overlooked it and made excuses for it. And for a lot of them still within the halls, it's like, yeah, you know, the chickens have come home to roost on some level. Mm-hmm. And I know there's a passion for a lot of people within Chorus to have some names thrown out there of the enablers. And, you know, we've talked about that. We've named a few, but it's it's true. There's some people that have run for cover right now, and it's it's just not fair. Jackie Delaney, mm. uh, I'm not sure when she's scheduled next, but if she sent me this note. I'm sure you saw it, too, uh, about her. The article in the Toronto Sun this past weekend, where yes. basically it seems like most of the women involved are not being asked to come forward as complainants. Right. But as witnesses, which is a different... And you explained to me before we started why that's significant. Well, the theory that was presented to me is if they are just witnesses, then they can go after Derringer, I guess, and maybe get out from under a severance package, which would be sizable. If they become complainants, then maybe other names are dragged into this. Enablers and who allowed this to happen and why. On their way to getting to the bottom of it but it's a very i guess shrewd tact uh you know to to make sure certain people's names don't get dragged into it let's just focus on what happened with john what happened with john as opposed to who and who oversaw this and who overlooked this and what part did they play which you might have to talk about as a complainant and yeah, and now that I understand that, as I said to you, the results will be the same for him. Like mm-hmm. it, 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 they're 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 going to. We had the same contract, or not for the same money, but we had a contract similar. In fact, there's a longer story about the fact that Blundell and Derringer and a few other significant players were locked into these contracts because of what happened to us. But that's a different story. But uh, they're not. They're they'll they'll likely with they'll get out of that contract because of the with cause part. It it's just it'll be different for the people involved, as you say, the people that were there, the people that were our bosses too. But I don't want to get bogged down to it because there's so many other things we need to get to before Bill Brio in about twenty five minutes. It's interesting. It happens to you and I so many times where I'm watching a show last night and it turns out you're watching the same thing. Um. I actually recorded this series. I'm not sure if you have, and it's a what Fred referred to as this series on Watergate, which for people of our age was, you know, a pretty significant event in the early '70s. The whole thing of, you know, Deep Throat and the Bernstein and Woodward book and the movie All the President's Men and all that stuff was a big part of the culture. But I was watching it last night, of course, because I'm 
and we'll get to the January 6th thing. Because of the interest in that, I was thought, oh, I, w- I want to sort of tune into this and get a, a perspective. But but now now that I've set that up, that thing you were sort of referring to, the, the cooperation back then. Yeah. In stark contrast to now, but just talk a little bit about that. Well, that, that's just what came to my mind, because as I've watched the Watergate, you know, at the beginning, of course, there was some partisan resistance. Republicans didn't want to believe it. But then as the evidence unfolded, it was like, yeah, country comes first. Yes. United States of America comes first. And although it's our guy and it's our party, this is wrong. So everybody fell in line for the betterment of the country. And, of course, you didn't have all the news services back then that you do now, although all those hearings were in prime time Um, or all day long. They were, you know, every moment was available to watch on television, even back in the early 70s. But uh, that that's what just comes to mind where now it's the complete, complete opposite. When you have a guy like Tucker Carlson looking in the camera the other night talking about when he there they're not covering it, Fox, at all. But when they do allude to it, like Tucker Carlson, I saw a whole clip where he's talking about, they are lying to you. That January 6th, they are lying to you. And all the simpletons and no minds that watch Fox, they agree with that. They don't want to know the truth, just like the other guys, you know, the guys within the Republican Party and the usual suspects, the, the Trumpers. They don't want to know the truth or they know the truth, but they don't want the truth to be exposed because that comes before their country. It's just bizarre. Well, there's a lot there. I mean, so in 1973, I think uh, that spring was when the Watergate hearings were convened. And it doesn't matter mm-hmm. the names of the players. I won't bore you with whether it's mm-hmm. Nunez or whatever the guy's name was. Sam uh, what was the older guy that was. But, that, but basically, so the select committee was was formed and it was unanimously voted on. It literally both parties. Right. That's that was the part that stuck out to me, and I was I'd written it down. I wanted to bring that up that they had unanimous um, uh, buy-in that we need to do this. This is wrong. Something wrong has happened, and it's uh, a leak. We need to plug into this republic slash democracy. The president can't wield power at this level, or we're anyway. The whole point was to to look at the oversight that caused it. And then, of course, you think about what's going on now when Tucker Carlson looks in the camera and says they're lying to you. Like, the only network on Thursday night, it was so funny, I, didn't, I wasn't sure what you were doing, but I literally couldn't wait for that thing to start. The only network that didn't show it was Fox News. Mm-hmm. And if I were a Fox viewer, even, a, okay, I know not the crazy ones, but if I had a reasonable brain in my head, at least that would be... I would want to know, well, why aren't they showing it? You know, like... Because it destroys their whole narrative over the past five years. When when Bill Barr... Donald Trump is an okay guy. Yeah, when Bill Barr is seen Mm -hmm. saying, we all told him there was Mm -hmm. no fraud, it's why I quit. He's the attorney general. So how does Tucker Carlson... Well, if the well, as what we're saying is, you, you can't reconcile that if you show it, because he was their guy. He was a Fox supported guy. And what's his motive? Like, I don't get that. What is Tucker Carlson's motive? What is Fox News' motive? 
Because they know it's true. I mean, that first night alone. Although I find it aggravating to watch because it's so obvious what happens, and then you hear the other side, you know, discounting it and downplaying it. I find that very aggravating because, again, none of these people are putting their country first. You know, and I've heard it said before, and it's true on some levels, on many levels, January 6th is worse than Watergate. Just think about what this president did. Uh, I think it's way, honestly, yeah. way worse. So all these people have this, if, you know, trying to organize a coup, literally. Yeah. And they want to pretend it didn't happen. Why? Like, why? There's it's so many. Like, and, and, like, how do you, again, how do you reconcile that all these re- prominent Republicans, some of them were asking for blanket pardons. Yeah. In the final days, like there's so many little, like I said, there's so many holes and things. But I, I was uh, so funny looking forward to watching it. Yes, I know they're reading it. Liz Cheney, mm. Liz Cheney is a hero. Oh, unbelievable! And and the guy Benny T, Benny Thompson, also very good. But mm-hmm. just the way she, you know, he was a little bit. They're reading off a prompter, and that's fine. But as far as a presentation goes, in terms of the video and the testimony and the audio, and just a quick sidebar to you, that Ivanka Trump just looks like a zombie. But she was saying, I believed Bill Barr, mm-hmm. and, and everyone around Trump believed mm-hmm. Bill Barr and the others, and yet they continue to perpetuate the lie. And you ask a great question. Why, 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 why? What is, what's in it for Tucker Carlson? What is just- in it for him? It's because it's infotainment. It's how do we, pre- what do we do? How, what do we present to get the most viewers, which, which creates the most revenue? And that's just a sad, sad situation. I'd say. When it, when, it, when it comes to your country. You know, and even that Alex Jones prick piece of shit. Oh, I should never call anyone that. It sounds very immature. Let me restate that. That vile person, Alex Jones, call you know, blaming it on Antifa, and then that narrative sort of tried to take hold. Remember, well, you know, it was it, it wasn't Trump supporters; it was Antifa. Well, I hear yesterday that about twenty people connected directly to Alex Jones were among the, those arrested, and yet he's the one standing there saying it's Antifa. And I bring his name up because, you know, Donald Trump in 2015, not long, within weeks of announcing his candidacy, the first person or one of the first people media-wise that he contacted was Alex Jones. Mm-hmm. Or and Steve Bannon sniffing, contacted, yeah. And then sniffing his ass. Too, now, I saw the interview yesterday yeah. of Trump. Yeah, Alex, I really like what you do, and I really appreciate that you're on board and you do great work. This is Donald Trump, the guy that became your president. Saying this to Alex Jones, and if you know anything about this guy, no, I know he's he's a grifter creep who just money above country every day of the week. What I think they laid out Thursday night, and they're going to continue to lay out through this month with these hearings. And the next one is this morning after our, our we finished recording the show. What I think they're what they've laid out, and it was a, not that it was a, a bit of a surprise, mm-hmm. but interesting, and I, and I wonder if you were as well. Um, amazed at the level of organization because up until Thursday, uh, 
You know, I sort of had an impression that, yeah, the big lie was perpetrated. They all knew that it wasn't, you know, you sort of thought that, well, they must have known that's not real. And, and they perpetuated it anyway. But when you actually get multiple sources giving evidence that mm-hmm. early, early on, they all knew it was uh, that the fake news. That's the fucking irony of all time. They're the fake news. Trump's yeah, the okay. fake news. And the fact that, you know, um, perpetuating the idea that the election was stolen still to this day. Yeah. And again, mm-hmm. I've, I mentioned that I've read some books about Donald Trump. It's so mm-hmm. in keeping with his personality that it's never his fault. It's never mm-hmm. he never takes any responsibility. And the first right. president in their entire history that 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 tried to uh, steal an election was him. You know, it, there's mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I see this meme every once in a while, but whatever somebody's accusing you of, that's mm-hmm. what they've done. Mm hmm. That's this, you know, I mean, the definition of gaslighting, not exact, but that's gaslighting. And that's what's gone on. And, and what I was going to say, the, the point I'm making now is that not that I was surprised Thursday, but I really was a bit taken aback at the level of organization, number one, but also the level of. Well, he knew it wasn't. He still knows it wasn't stolen. But again, sticking to that narrative for him. It should be the reason that no one ever wants to vote for him. Because even if you're a dunderhead, even if you're a dunderhead, you got to know that something was up. It can't all be Trump's right and everyone else is wrong. It just can't be that simple. Well, I think it's a statement on the deep-seated problems with that country because, you know, I've said it before and I'll say it again and we've said it. The whole Donald Trump, the whole seed, the whole root is racism and intolerance. Yeah. And there's yeah. such a segment of... The United States of America, a legion of racist, rotten, religious, evil bastards that that they still think they can feed off that to win the next election. And that's what it's all about. These guys don't care about January 6th or what Donald Trump did. The whole basis of what he is about is what as how I want this country to be. Exactly. No brown people, lots of guns. Give me my Bible. And Jesus, and they, yeah. And they're still doing the they're still doing the math, Howard. And and to connect this back to how this started, which was watching this series on CNN about Watergate. Mm-hmm. And again, it's a, it's an excellent series. In fact, a, part of the first episode I just heard on the radio, I was just listening to it driving, and it's fascinating. The biggest difference, two things, obviously. One is both parties came together, as we've said, for the good of the country. But the second thing, and it's very important, and give the guy credit, is Nixon took responsibility. In a way, he, he resigned mm-hmm. knowing that that was better for the country, yes, it was bad for him and his legacy. He knew that, mm-hmm. and that is the biggest difference. Like when you say it, January six is way worse. You know, let's just go through a, a couple of things. The Republican Party saying, "Oh, it was a bunch of tourists." Was it mm-hmm. a bunch of tourists? That the testimony from that woman Thursday night, one of the officers who was literally knocked unconscious and then kept slipping in the blood of her. Um, mates, I was going to say teammates, her fellow officers. Right. Like, that isn't tourists that just inadvertently wandered into the the Capitol. But the other thing I want to finish by saying is we all saw it. 
And the fact that the Republicans are trying to say it wasn't that we didn't is the part that I can't get yeah. my head around at all. Well, this is why it's aggravating, because I love to see the testimony. I don't know how much of it I'll watch tonight for that reason, because it's so obvious. And then it doesn't matter what is presented. It will be denied and and downplayed by the other side. Yeah. If anybody thinks there will ever be like this moment where that side goes, you know what? Right. Yeah, there's enough evidence. It's not going to happen. in I know. 2022. I know. Funny you should say that about Nixon as well, because to bring this all around, when I heard Nixon, you know, his speech, it, the buck stops. I know that's yeah, another president yeah. said the buck stops here, but he basically said the man at the top is ultimately responsible for what happens. And I immediately think of that Doug Murphy guy at at Chorus to bring it back around to the John Derringer thing and what those women went through. And part of the aggravation I have through that, the guy at the top should be saying something. There should be some kind of a statement because the the buck stops there. The guy at the top is responsible. Of course, you can't compare the two things, an insurrection and what happened, but no response you can't you can draw a parallel i mean like listen and i'm sure we've made the point but i'll make it again one of the reasons that we thought we were the right guys is because we worked for the same guys as him (laughs) and you know i think we've made this point but it's disappointing to us as well yeah like we worked for some guys that we really liked the guy at the top was always kind to us and me and and it's disappointing to know like that they that they just let it go on now we left that company very shortly after uh-huh. we all all of this sort of the, the the bulk of it was taking place we were out of the building as of 2003 fred and i were gone I'm not saying that excuses us, but a a lot of stuff was going on uh, around that time around us as well. But it's sort of disappointing that we knew the men and women involved, mostly men. I just said women to be inclusive. But we knew the women involved as victims. We knew all the men involved as enablers and and their bosses. And the point is some have left the business now, so it's almost it's futile Hmm. to even go after them but a few of them are still in the business there are guys consulting they're going to radio stations right now and telling them the way it should be in a radio (laughs) station (laughs) meanwhile they oversaw this shit going on yeah that's why that you know john cassidy he's out of the business now you know and uh, pretty probably retired so what do you do there uh but this doug murphy guy you know as i i read that email that he had sent to the staff the week later making it out like yeah we're sort of all in this together i'll get mm. to the bottom of it just uh, if you need support here's some contacts it's like really yeah. buddy? really and then there's others too that are still in the business at other radio stations that you know they're under the gun but not saying anything you know running for cover pretending it didn't exist pretending they had nothing to do with it or weren't party to it but they were yeah well, we'll talk more about that. I, again, the hearing, it fascinated me, but the hearing continues. Uh, it's the, There's not going to be another one in prime time for a couple of weeks, but there's one at, like, I think it starts at 10 a.m. Uh, oh, what, today? Today, yeah. Oh, so it's not like tonight on TV? No, no, no. Like there's the other night? It, oh. No, there's only a couple. The, I think the last one. There's three or four scheduled. And then I think the last couple are in prime time again. Oh. But this is a fascinating I didn't There's know been so many fascinating moments in history, but this is a real p- 
point in our history watching that republic crumble and uh i never saw tucker carlson but i was uh, say that but i was on fox's uh, website a couple times just to see what their reaction was uh a lot of people and at some point today maybe not right away but we're going to get to this new golf league that debuted on the weekend uh i'll get to that at some point this week because it's a short week for us uh, now that summer's here also i will say this just quickly about the golf can canada canada look we looked really great yesterday it was just a really great scene at that golf tournament and the the praise heaped upon our hosting the tournament and the fans at the tournament I mean, I don't know why golf fans need to yelling mashed potatoes and Baba Booey, but even our Canadian fans do that. But that weirdness aside, I thought that the Canadian Open actually looked really well represented. And uh, we came off looking good. The city looked amazing. Well, not that I care, but was the the 18th there when I watched it, was the crowd not a little bit too rowdy? Uh, yes. Think? Yep. Yeah, I, 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 I would, I, I would give. It was almost like a little bit too much. But go ahead. No, when I say that, it's like because that's one thing about golf that's all, always bothered me a bit. The oh, quiet now, quiet. Sort of like tennis, because you know, being a hockey football guy, it's like the crowd. Why can't the crowd go crazy? But I understand all of that. So based on the decorum and the the protocols of golf i just i got the impression so did my son dan that boy they're a bit rowdy on the 18th aren't they and, and yes they were mm-hmm. and the reason that it was allowed is because the outcome had already been determined like there was there was no like oh, okay. that what i mean is mm-hmm. like nothing could happen to the with the other two players that would have taken the championship mm-hmm. away from mcelroy he had a two-shot right. lead it doesn't matter the circumstances, but I thought the same thing. And then I realized, oh, well, they allowed the crowd to come in and watch the last hole like that, which has happened a few times mm-hmm. uh, spontaneously. Because really, Rory McIlroy had no idea at such a huge fan base here in Canada. Um, but it was because the, it was, the outcome was determined. If it was still close, like it was like one guy could go either way, I don't think they would have allowed it. And I think the crowd right. was pretty well behaved. Mm-hmm. The golf course I've played a bunch of times. It's like 15 minutes from here. Mm-hmm. And no, I didn't end up going. But, you didn't uh, go on Friday? No, I'm the, it's the, the thing I was going to do Friday fell through. He wasn't allowed for me to come in the rope, so I just wasn't going to walk around the, the tournament. That came up yesterday as well. Delise and Danny and my mother-in-law were all watching it. And I, I think it was Dan that said to me, why isn't Howard there? And just at that moment, the crowd was rushing the 18th. I said, that's why. <laughs> that's right. He, he doesn't want to be in that. Oh, man, I don't blame him. doesn't want that stuff. <laughs> that's um, why. All right. Listen, and before we leave, one last thing. I, I uh, had found this description of Trump <laughs> a few days ago. I said, I got to read this to Fred. And uh, here's a description I, I found online from some commentator. He said, it's almost impossible to believe that Trump exists. It's as if we took everything that was bad about America, scraped it up off the floor, wrapped it all in an old hot dog skin, and then taught it to make noises with its with its face. <laughs> uh, and then taught it to make noises with it with its face is the part I love. Okay, so let's continue. Bill Brio's gonna join us in a minute or two. But first, Freddie, what about these people? Well, uh, 
Bill will be our Gig Sky guest of the day. And, uh, you know, you deserve peace of mind when you travel, so surf like a local with a tap of a button. Gig Sky offers a 100% data plan, maps, Uber, Instagram, all that stuff you need. Need a hotel, rental car, or looking for things to do while traveling? Gig Sky Travel Rewards up to offer up to 50% cash back on over 850,000 hotels globally. That is crazy. Download the GeekSky app today. Enter code HF2022 for $5 off your first plan or visit GeekSky.com today for more information. Well, we all know what dad wants for Father's Day. This dad already got it. I got my massage chair from Relaxacare. Relaxacare.ca. They got some great Father's Day gift ideas. There's so many different products to choose from. Not just massage chairs, but I can tell you this thing has made a huge difference. I, uh, you know, I play a little bit of golf. I, I golf occasionally. The last uh, five or six weeks, it's really cranked up to almost, you know, daily. I'm at a golf course, either working on my game or playing. And I come home and I've got this chair now. I, I get to put, put my little blanket on and I watch the golf and I got my the heated seat and I just it's unbelievable and I'm and I'm being serious for a second my back this year it has never been sort of like it's always a little bit of a low level pain but because I get to have this sort of massage and there's all kinds of varieties you can get but I do it every day now and it's made a huge difference relax the care can do the same for you and everything is in house they're great when it comes to communication and education everything's there deliveries administration tech it's all there you can visit them online or in person and check out some great ideas not just massage chairs they've got some wellness products, and so much more at relaxacare.ca. Yeah, the, uh, you know, sometimes I, I, I watch a PGA Tour tournament and I'll say, I think I said this to you a couple weeks ago, you know, I, I was in Austin or someplace or maybe uh, one of those Texas places. And I said to you, I said, it's funny, you know, all these names. Remember I said, oh, you know, famous places and they, they're just these tiny little towns, you know, no bigger than Saskatoon. And then mm-hmm. they show the skyline of Toronto yesterday. They had the, I could see the blimp as I was driving home from the course. I'm like, oh, yeah, the blimp's over my house. But they had this skyline shot several times coming back from commercial on CBS. And they had this, it's just the whole downtown, right? And it looks like. You know, this huge world-class city. And I thought to myself, what do you think of that, America? <laughs> That's what I said. How about that, America? Mm-hmm. And, and the other thing, I don't know if you've ever found this, but something about the way American broadcast announcers say Toronto. It's almost like every time they say it, they're not sure they're saying it right. That's how it sounds to me. But often they are. They are. They're right. saying Toronto. Yeah, Toronto. Right. They over. We they per, yeah, we say yeah. Toronto. Yeah. But man, the city looked great, and the broadcast was fantastic. Uh, it was a they, you know the PGA Tour, obviously under siege this week because of this Live Golf series with the horrible regime of Saudi Arabia that in March had 81 men executed and women were put in jail for any number of things. 
making a, an illegal right turn. <laughs> I think so. Mm-hmm. But the PGA Tour couldn't have asked for a better Sunday afternoon. And it was interesting that it happened to be the Canadian Open. That was the jewel of golf for the PGA Tour this weekend. I mm-hmm. told you last week, they knew this was coming. That's why they had three or four or five of the top players on planet Earth made a commitment. Rory had to be there. But those other guys came there to support the tour. And in the last round, one guy almost shot 59. Of the three players in the final group, they were a total of... 20 under par for the day. The worst guy in the group shot 64. Two guys shot 64. One guy shot 62. It couldn't. And, and the guy that shot 62 won. And the guy that won was Rory McIlroy. It couldn't have gone better for them. And now Fred's frozen. All I'm seeing is frozen Fred. I just thought he was. <laughs> I just thought for a second he was just bored listening to me talking about golf. He's gone now. So if you're watching... Oh, there you go. So no, he, if you're watching this on Facebook, you can see that Fred's gone. And if you're listening to the podcast... Well, he'll be back in a second. But I'll just continue this uh, golf narrative briefly, which is, you know... I know a lot of people have sent me notes wondering how I feel about the Live Golf series. And we can talk about that. Uh, we're going to talk about it a little bit more on Swing Thoughts my golf podcast, which we just passed uh, 200 episodes. But it was one of those things where when I saw the lineup for the Canadian Open, which is not traditionally a a huge priority for PGA Tour players, years ago it was. Are you back now? Mm Mm-hmm. No idea. I I, I was just explaining that. Mm -hmm. the, The way it lined up, for the players that were participating this week, we, we the PGA Tour knew this was coming, obviously. And so it couldn't have been a better day, a better broadcast. Uh, I watched the whole thing, and Canada not only represented well, but it, it was a perfect storm of the most elite players playing the best. Contrast that with the Live Golf Series, which I watched. There were parts How? of it's just on online. You go to Live Golf. Oh, just dog, online. Oh, okay. And they don't have a broadcast partner. All yeah, they have. Who's going to want to touch that? Given the the social uh, problem. Uh, I don't know. That. Wow. Uh, I don't know where that's going to net out. But I, I watched the broadcast, and, and it was interesting. It's definitely a different look. Mm-hmm. But you know, Charles Schwartzel, the 129th ranked player in the world won $4.7 million. And other than that being kind of interesting, there was nothing compelling about the format of the play. And against the PGA Tour's, you know, marquee players playing amazingly, you know, it didn't all have to work out that way. A bunch of other guys you'd never heard of, at least you've heard of those guys. Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas, Tony Finau, and, Dar- and uh, Justin Rose, who shot 60. You've heard of all those names. It didn't have to work out that way. It could have been someone, you know, from back in the pack who, who has no notoriety. That's another interesting thing about having a golf tournament, hosting a golf tournament. Of course, generally, overall, the PGA wants new players to get better and become future stars or current stars or whatever. But when you have the golf tournament in your city, it's nice to have a marquee winner. Mm-hmm. Like 
a big name winner. It just adds to the whole. It just adds to it all. Because there have been years where the Canadian Open, when they had trouble getting a decent field, the winners were like, huh, who's that? Mm-hmm. And just the, the, the lasting impression of having a big name as your winner is excellent. And so from that standpoint, I see what you're saying, too, to have more a Rory McIlroy, a big name win at this tournament, which is the reply to the first LIV tournament. Or is, do you say LIV or, or you live? Say or live, what do you live say? golf. Okay. And live you know golf. why they, you know why it's LIV? Or live no. so no. the the utopian golf score is fifty four the right. idea is if you birdied oh. every hole you'd shoot fifty four fifty four right. in Roman numerals is l i v it's a play on live golf fifty four being the and the fact that they're only having fifty four hole golf tournaments with no cut listen i I can have we can and i and I want to have this discussion as it as this unfolds this summer about there are problems with the p g a tour for sure there are, but what golf fans love about golf is the pure competitive play well or don't get paid nature of the game mm-hmm. and as someone like you know I, I'm a fan of the sport but I also play tournament golf and there's there's something exciting knowing that if you don't play well you don't make the cut and if you don't make the cut you don't get paid there's there's an element of the sport that's like no other sport I mean we've had this conversation well, more sports should be like that well I was gonna say you're if you're the you you know you might sign you know, John Tavares, mm-hmm. hoping he has... Did you do something to your mic, by the way? No, I don't think so. Okay. Um, you signed John Tavares hoping that he's going to be uh, effective for your team. But mm-hmm. you also are paying him whether he shows up or not. Golf isn't like well, that. And here's a little thing most people don't realize. Golfers pay to... They actually... There's, there's an entry fee. They pay to get into the tournament. That's not paid for for them. Exactly. You know, I mean, in in a perfect world, all the other sports, at the very least, should be one-year contracts. Based on how you played that year. Yes. Uh, But it's not that way. But you mentioned another thing, um, problems with the PGA. You know, to most people, they don't know or they don't care. You do because you're... You know what I mean? That would even be in your world. But somebody like me, who likes to watch golf on a Sunday afternoon, the problems with the PGA don't even... Yeah, of course not. I don't know what they are. And even if I did, I probably wouldn't care because the show is the thing and... uh, no, for sure. I only bring. I only mention mm-hmm. it because uh, in in response to the reason this series mm-hmm. began, and and listen, I I don't know. I've gone back and forth with. Do I really? You know, how much do I care about the Saudi Arabian despicable human rights government? But I'll tell you what they're 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 getting pushback from a, an interesting source. There's families of the nine eleven mm. survivors. Yeah, have formally sent a note saying, you know, do we not remember that the hijackers were all from Saudi Arabia? Is that should we not at least acknowledge that? And and again, if you're Phil Mickelson, Dustin Johnson, and you know, I'll name a couple people, uh, Bryson DeChambeau, people you've heard of. These are world ranked golfers. I guess that, and again, you know, it's easy for us. So oh, I wouldn't take two hundred million, but but I would if I are. I don't know. If, they already have one hundred and fifty million. Well, this is it. 
This is it. And of a few of them, their response has been, well, you could look at any situation and dissect it and find problems with it. How is this any different? Well, it is a bit different. But, uh, yeah, and they're stained now. And I, I'm looking forward to seeing the reaction to those players in the majors. Explain that, too. Like, I, I, I couldn't explain it yesterday. <laughs> Because they're not, they're different organizations. The PGA Tour doesn't no, run any why, of the majors. How, how, how is that? Why is that? It just seems odd to me. That well, they're independent bodies. The USGA isn't, mm-hmm. has nothing to do with the PGA Tour. Okay. The PGA of America is a different governing body. The PGA right. of America are the people that govern all the other tens of thousands of professional golfers that work at country clubs and teach mm-hmm. golf at ranges. Those are PGA of America members. The Open Championship, not run by the PGA Tour, and the Masters is like a planet of its own. Well, I'm glad I asked that question and you explained it because I bet you there's lots of people going, what? How is that? Why is that? So these guys will cannot play a PGA event, but they can play the majors because For I know now. that's left a lot of people scratching their yes. heads. So the U.S. Open, which is run by the United States Golf Association, starts this week. But to your point, it will be interesting to see how the other players react when Phil Mickelson comes back. It'll be interesting to see how the fans react. Yeah. When they tee it up. Dustin Johnson signed a four-year contract with this league. And uh, I was talking about it. Obviously, it's the biggest topic of conversation in all my golf circles, but... So I think he was signed for a couple hundred million dollars, which, you know, if you're Dustin Johnson in any other sport, you absolutely would get that in baseball. You would get that in basketball. So it's not like he doesn't deserve to be paid that, but it's not the nature of the sport. What will be I, in- I, I, but again, a guy at his level, Howard, I don't understand is one hundred twenty five million dollars worth. Yes. Where, where you're at now. Well, that's what I was going to I was going to say. Yeah. It's not like he didn't see if somebody, you know, the argument is, well, what would you do if somebody offered you 10 million? I take it, but I don't have it. But if right. I, he's all, Dustin Johnson's already made a hundred million plus dollars. And would make hundreds more and, if made on the PGA tour. Right. And my point about it is in, he signed a four year contract. I think you're right. It was 125. Mm-hmm. Phil signed for 200 million. Phil, who cares? Phil's, I always fucking hated Phil. And and, and I did. I've never liked uh-huh. the guy. Uh-huh. Um, I always thought he was slimy. But my question is: after four years, Dustin Johnson, and you're only forty-one, and let's say this league, you know, either continues, but but you you know you want to maybe stay more you know closer to home when you live in California. You don't want to be flying all around the world. Like, what is? Does he think he's going to come back to the PGA Tour? Like, I don't know. Like, here's here's what I'm thinking. So he takes $125 million to join this. He's no longer a member of the PGA. Right. Wouldn't TaylorMade or something would have paid him a million dollars in or $100 million endorsement Easily. deals that, All that them, are yeah. now gone? Well, that, I don't get those well, See, I don't know if they're gone because I, that's a good, another good point. I watched some of this thing on uh, YouTube or on Facebook. So it's also on their site. And they're all still, they're all still have their endorsements. Yeah, but how long? The thing is, if this stink becomes stinkier, oh, yeah. being aligned with the Saudis, when it's time for renewal, a lot of these companies may say, you know what? I'm not sure we want our logo floating around that tour. No, so, absolutely. And, and it's interesting. Jay Monahan is the Gary Bettman of the PGA Tour. PGA Tour is the commissioner. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
And uh, he came on the broadcast yesterday. And I got to tell you, you know, I, you know, I'm a fan of Jim Nance. And I think mm-hmm. you like his work, too, in football. But I think yesterday, you know, he's a guy around our age. Yesterday, when he was talking to the commissioner, and they, he, he, he had a list of prepared questions, asking some very difficult questions. And he was so good. He was so well-spoken and articulate. I'm talking about Nance. And the way he um, sort of shepherded the interview and whatever. So Jay Monahan said a lot of things, but the thing that I that I thought was the most interesting is one of the big arguments these live golfers are making is, well, why can't we? Why do we have to be suspended? Why do? Why can't we be independent contractors and just go and play wherever we want? And what he said was, if our tour has so many problems, why do you want to continue to be part of it? Mm-hmm. Why do you need us? He said to the camera. If these guys are, if if everything is so shit here, basically, what do you need the PGA Tour for? And what he said was, what they need is the profile, competition, and the worldwide attention the PGA Tour gives you. Because this little series that went outside of London last week, it's not going. It, the novelty will wear off. Listen, I watched it because I'm a nerd. I want. I was also curious to see how they were going to do it, but I won't watch many more of them. Well, it's not a convenient watch either, is it? I mean, you can watch it on your phone, basically. Yeah, I know, but it's it's not like you can settle into your nice big easy chair. I right. guess if you well, if you, you Chromecast it or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But I'm I'm saying it's not it's not like no American networks are going to touch it, are they? No, I don't think so. No, I mean you might get some. They might eventually get it. Maybe Fox will fucking you know yeah. take their money. Mm-hmm. But we're talking about a regime. And, 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 you know, one of the arguments is, well, there's other, you know, uh, Saudi-backed tournaments on the European tour, but they're, they're backed by corporations, not by the government. They're like the Saudi International is a corporate thing. So you, there's a sort of one level removed. But this phrase, sports washing, is what we're seeing. It's, we're, we're having, it's a regime that killed a guy and, uh, you know, basically didn't really deny it. And I know, listen, all government, look, you know, the U.S. government, look what's going on with them. Oh, they kill people. They kill people. They're killing, but They're it's killing not, me right now. It's not like the government is backing these golf tournaments. Mm-hmm. And, and again, you can play that game all day long. You know, the Saudis have done this. Oh, yeah, but the Americans have done that. Bottom line is, in the United States of America, and these guys are Americans, it just has a stink on it that just isn't good. It's just not good on them. Anyway, uh, Bill Brio says he's trying to get in but can't. He says the page is unresponsive. Well, uh, I don't know what that, know means. What that means. Yeah, I mean, where you got in. I you dropped used, out and I uh, got back in. Yeah, uh, can you send him a note and just say it's the same link as it always is? And like, uh, that's fine. And we'll, well, you know what? We'll reschedule because we now we have... We have too many other things that are going to actually back things up now. So just tell them we're sorry, but we'll try again. But I, again, I don't know why he can't get in. Um, all right, everybody. All right, everybody. All right. All right. Um, well, and it's interesting because I did want to. I did want to have you know this conversation because even if you're not a golf fan, you can't. You can't. If you're a sports fan like we are, you can't help but notice that this thing is going on. Uh, 
I'll tell you what else is going on. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is arriving. It's here. And now you can legally bet on all your favorite sports, from MMA to hockey to playoff hoops, and so much more. Bet special parlays, spreads, money lines, and more. Plus, do it now from anywhere in the province. Join the action. Download the app and explore everything DraftKings has to offer DraftKings Sportsbook. Get excited, Ontario. DraftKings is live, so go to the App Store now. Download the Sportsbook app that's offering 2-1 to odds on a hockey team to score a goal every day in June, or at least until the playoffs are over. Get in on the action. Get in Get in on all... <laughs> What's that? Get in on the action. <laughs> so we're at a mini stroke in the middle of that sentence. Get in and all the action. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook. 19 plus physically present in Ontario. And terrible. Ontario. Eligibility restrictions apply. Man, I haven't had to read anything in a couple weeks. See uh, sportsbook.draftkings.com for details. Gambling problem? Call Connex Ontario. 1-866-531-2600. Please play responsibly. Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, Canada's number one group benefits plan for small business. Chambers Plan is Canada's leading group benefit plan for one to 50 employees. Get a free quote today. Go to chamberplan.ca. It's right there. It says get a free quote. Uh, You'll see all sorts of testimonials to other small businesses that uh, have joined the Chamber Plan and how it's worked for them. How it's done so much for their employees and just their psyche. It's good to know you have a a benefits package. You have that security. And when you look into it, oh yeah, there's lots of security with the uh, chamber plan. Uh, You know, uh, prescriptions and dental and travel plans and uh, uh, therapies. It's all there. Too many products to list. All right. So go to chamberplan.ca and find out what it's all about. And I feel bad that we didn't get to Bill Brio, um, but this is interesting. One of the emails, uh, we got a lot of emails when we were gone, but one of them's, one of them's, uh, this one. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. Uh, Did you see this? It says, hi, guys. This is from May Mal. You've been missed. Glad you're back tomorrow, but... I wish you would just skip the guests sometimes. She says, Bill is great, but a week after a week away and so much to discuss, do you even need a guest? I would like to listen to a full show about the live tour tornado and the riveting January 6th hearing. I feel like you'll be in a rush to fit everything in. And then Tuesday will arrive with another guest. Just my thoughts. Oh, there's Bill Brio. I thought you told him that we were going to reschedule. Uh, well, I was. I didn't quite have the chance yet. All right. We were talking, and I. She says, "P.S. I emailed Toronto Mike after hearing him talk about uh, Blundell on his show. I listened to a few of Blundell's shows, and while Blundell did not hold back, he does not like Mike. We will address that issue uh, in the days to come." Uh, I'm just going to tell Bill. I'm going to let him in. I don't know what to tell him. We don't have time now. We literally have two more people plus Dan Duran lined up. Right. So I just bring him on, say hi, plug his website, and yes. tell him to see you again sometime. Yeah. See you later, alligator. Uh, mm-hmm. And he doesn't seem to be, it says joining, joining. Okay. It's okay. Well, I mean, what's that, bud? He's struggling today. No, I know. It's all right. We're all struggling. Um, 
I saw, uh, I watched uh, the latest season of uh, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Testing. Yeah, Bill, it's, you're, you know, testing. <laughs> Testies. Hi, I'm, I'm sorry, guys. I don't know what happened this morning. Yeah. Um, but uh, and, and and my time's up. So yeah. nice well, to see you. Goodbye. <laughs> no, we, yeah, we, I just said to Freddie. I said, just we'll say hi to Bill. We'll plug your website, and then uh, we'll talk. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. I'm sorry, but I don't know what everything. Everything else was exactly the same for us, Bill. I don't know what happened over there. I get the same message here that everyone's uh, unresponsive. Mm. So um, no, buddy. Well, I mean, you, you you signed in now. No, I was referring to my my beloved. I get that message. Oh, I get it. You're doing some bits. Yeah, yeah I was really? Everything's off today. But, yeah, and we can't see you, just so you know. Your camera's not working. Oh, well, that's, I don't know. It's a, maybe a benefit for you. <laughs> there I am. There's our boy. Yeah. Um, anyway, I'm sorry, guys. We'll, we'll, we'll do this again. There, there still is TV this summer. Yeah, I know, buddy. Uh, do we? Let's want to mention. A, so, Freddie was just saying you you didn't. You, are you watching season four of Mrs. Maisel? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah I like yeah. it. I thought it was good. Well, it started good. It dragged, and then it ended with a bang for me. And then I noticed last night too that there's a new season of Peaky Blinders that came from nowhere. What? No. Yeah. Right. What? Bill? Yeah. There's there's shows that took like three years off during COVID. You know. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that's one of them. And. Uh, mm-hmm. It does seem odd. You know, it's now we, we see these shows, we get six episodes, we binge them in a day, and then it's 52 weeks before know. you see it again, and sometimes 100 or sometimes 150 weeks. So it's crazy. Yeah. You know, and the problem with being our age, I thought this recently, I should make notes about what I liked about the show, but I don't want to do homework. My problem is being this age, I can't remember. Like, even as Freddie was talking about Mrs. Maisel season four, I know I've seen it, but I can't remember. A hundred percent how it, it worked out. But you're talking what you're saying, Bill, is when a show comes back like Peaky Blinders, I would have to go back and watch parts of the last season just to remember where I was in the timeline of the thing. Well, yeah, Mrs. It, Maisel, we did that. I watched the last episode of um, season three. Right. Again. When she gets left at the, the she loses, she gets kicked off the tour. Yes. Right. And that was enough. Mm hmm. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, I've fallen off that show, but uh, Barry is another one that it was gone for about three years. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, boy, oh boy, though, came back uh, better than ever. What an astounding show. Bill Hader, we don't talk about this guy enough. He's fantastic. So uh, You know, it's funny that you mentioned that, too, because I, I liked that series, and it's exactly what we're talking about. I hadn't seen it, and then all of a sudden it was in the news this weekend. I was like, what? They're still, are they still oh, making it? They are. But, and it's worth watching. And I've, I, Bill, we've had this conversation on a dozen shows. And I remember the first time we talked about Shameless, which I loved. Right. But too much time had gone by for me. Same with Suits, where I'd lost interest in it. And by the time it came back, I was like, eh, I don't know if I want to go back to that. Yeah, imagine if the Sopranos had done that. And, you know, they had that fade mm-hmm. to black ending. Nobody would have cared. <laughs> you can't um, do that yeah. let's just let everyone know that Bill Brio is a super friend of this show Bill uh, B-R-I-O-U-X hey uh, Dan Duran if you're listening uh, let's get to the news um, Bill Brio Brio but TV feeds my family and the website you can go to find out all kinds of stuff is uh, what's your website again just my name B-R-I-O-U-X dot TV um and even though we don't have time to get into all the other stuff, I do like this question uh, that at the end of every... And your podcast is called... 
uh, Brio TV, the podcast. We got the, the executives from Bell up uh, just this morning talking about the new season. Oh, nice. And, and so why don't you, why don't you ask us um, the question you ask uh, all your at guests? The, at the end of every podcast, I ask, what's your favorite all-time TV theme song? And I don't know, what, are, what about you guys? Freddie, what's your, do you have a, a favorite one? My, mine, mine would be. Oh, it would be a tie. It would be. I love Lucy, right? And Bob, and the Andy Griffith Show, both of which have lyrics to them that people wow. don't know. I didn't know that Andy. I thought you, they just whistled that. Yeah. One, but, uh, oh, let, let's grab your fishing and pole and head down to, to the, the fishing. Yeah, yeah, I knew that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. That's mine, awesome. uh, and I'm not just saying this because uh, you know I'm a disc jockey, but I always like this. I just love it because it's got such a melancholy, you know, moving from town to town, being a disc jockey. And the fact that it ends on a minor chord, I've always liked. But uh, it would be a tie between this one and, strangely enough, the Welcome Back Cotter theme by uh, John... uh, He was a folk singer from the... John Sebastian. Welcome Back Cotter. Well, those are all great choices. And the Welcome Back, the the ending theme to that show was just a guy making noise as a demo. (laughs) No, I'm no kidding. He was going to get back to the creator of the show, and they just loved it the way it sounded, the way it was. The, the, the lyrics are nonsense and stupid, and uh, it fit perfectly. Well, listen, man, I, I'm sorry we had a shorter time, but we always look forward to your visits, and you're a very nice person. Everyone knows it. Everyone's talking about it. <laughs> and uh, and we'll, be, uh, we'll chat with you uh, next time. Okay, guys. Good to see you again. All right. Okay, there's uh, Bill Brio, our gig sky. As Fred said, our gig sky guest of the day. Back in the uh, beginning of this hour, or whenever this uh, started, I can't remember now. Yeah, I love W. I, um, Lucy. What were the lyrics? To I love Lucy. I love Lucy, and Lucy loves me. Oh, right, right, right. Happy as birds in a tree. I'm trying to think of some more modern. I mean, obviously, the I've never seen an episode of the Big Bang Theory, but I like the theme because it's our bare naked ladies. That's another thing too on the PGA Tour Radio and the CBS broadcast. Uh, a couple of the musical transitions in and out of commercials were all like the bare naked ladies and mm-hmm. other Canadian artists. Um, okay, well, Dan, we're gonna get you. We're gonna get get to Dan Duran now. It's Dan Duran time oh, in a minute. Good. Okay. By the way, is it? Am I wrong? Is it? I read an article this on the weekend that gas in California was seven dollars and thirteen cents a gallon. Is that? Can that be right? Uh, probably, because it's a lot more expensive there than it is in other parts of the country for whatever reason. Well, it's got to be. Pushing ten bucks here, right? Two times four is eight, and then if you converted that to a gallon, it would, it's like nine or something. It's outrageous. Yeah, it's pretty. Uh, yeah, it's I, really. I don't know about you guys. My my tank used to be when I got the car three years ago. It was sort of mid sixties to seventy dollars to fill, mm-hmm. and then it sort of got closer to ninety dollars. Uh, but it's now one thirty to fill my car. Honestly, you know, at this stage in our lives, we can sort of absorb it and we don't drive as much. But how young families are dealing with this, I do not know. It's 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 awful. It just is. And and again, all the transports, I drove my mother-in-law home on the 401, all those transport trucks. It's even more for diesel now. 
So everything in those trucks, the price is going up. And you can see it in the grocery store. You know, there's certain items you look at and you basically know the price. And then you look now and it's like, what? Crazy times, man. Not good. Dan, any thoughts on... Uh, I didn't realize diesel had, uh, had gone up as well. Is it more Remember, expensive? Remember, traditionally, diesel used to it was be always cheaper. Yeah, yeah. Now it's yeah. more expensive, which just compounds the problem. Well, yeah. I mean, in Ontario right now, the average is a 212 a liter. 212. I so, mean, around here, you can get it for 205 or 203 or so. But. So there's basically four liters to a gallon. So you're looking at pretty much nine, but a gallon's a little more than four liters. Or is it the other way around? Four liters, a little more than a gallon. But anyway, it's we're we're around nine bucks a gallon. Hmm. <laughs> I remember crazy, having man. conversations with my brother, who's who's a banker in Alberta, and his wife works in the oil patch, about how... Uh, you know the fluctuations of again he defended because it's a you know it's supply and demand kind of a commodity and mm-hmm. all the rest of that stuff and I can't wait to have a discussion with him about it. I've been you know hankering <laughs> to phone him up and say okay let's have a talk about this now because the amount of money that the oil companies are making is just ridiculous the record record profits for all the big oil companies. Mm-hmm. Right, and, and that's where it breaks down, Dan, because I heard that explanation again over the weekend. Oh, yeah, the trade's like a commodity, like gold and silver and stuff like that, so you really can't do anything about it. But, okay, if that's true, and it's a supply and demand thing, why are the profits going up? And, remember, the way it's taxed in Canada, the government's making a shitload, too. Well, that's yeah. the thing. I, I, again, I, I don't know, what do we even have a government for? If they can't intervene... Well, that's the other thing. Well, go ahead. But I was going to say, I don't understand. They can't intervene in times of crisis because, as you just said, you know, I can absorb it. I do a lot of driving in the summer, but, it, you know, versus how much driving. I, 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 I'm fine. But to the average person, you know, you add another 40 or $50 every time you, you fill up and you have to fill up once or maybe one every week and a half. It's a lot of money. So why, why can't our government intervene at some point and say, okay, gas companies, you have to limit this. Apparently they're powerless that way. What I would like to see is this flake of a prime minister of ours. Just talk about it. Just address it. Like if this doesn't call for an eight o'clock tonight news conference or speak to the nation, about, hey, gas prices and inflation and the cost of living and me as your prime minister and our, 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 our country or our government, here's what we're going to try and do about it. But he's silent. He's flitting off to California. He's going over. He's, be, he's being the hero over in Europe. As far as domestically, the guy's disappeared. It, 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 no, you're it's right. It, but, and that's what I wonder. Like, if we have a government... They're there, you know, they run the, you know, stuff. But then why can't they just, when there's a problem, whether I see him on TV or not, I just want him to do something. To take some action, whether it's reducing the tax. I know it sounds naive, but reduce the tax or at least limit how much a a company can make during a time like this. Well, I I think even acknowledging it would be a good start. Here's another thing I, too, I I heard on the weekend people saying, oh, you know, the cost of driving to the cottage. Well, at least you have a cottage. You know how how narrow that is and and short-sighted that is? You know how many, all the people in cottage country depend on people in Toronto coming up for the summer season? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, the grocery stores, buying gas at the marinas, all sorts of stuff. Foodland. All that kind of all seriously yes. all that kind of stuff has been ground to a halt so you know when you're 
your jealousy says, oh, at least you have a cottage. Just realize the tentacles to this. Yeah, that those people up there have basically have customers for about four months a year. Yes. Uh, Again, whether whether we see him on TV, it seems like a missed opportunity that if we have government, that this is the type of thing where government might at least intervene to give us all a bit of a break. And and again, it's not just because I filled it up recently, but my last few Mm fill-ups, you know, it kind of reminds me when cigarettes got to a certain point, like when I was smoking, cigarettes were still like the premium brands hadn't quite cracked $10. And then, you know, the argument is, well, when smokes get to 10, I'll quit. God damn it. Do you fellas know what premium cigarettes are worth now? Well, I'll tell you, they're close to $20 a pack. Wow. But you don't have to smoke. Most people do have to drive. I know transit and bike lanes. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it, it sort of reminded me a little bit when I saw the price go past 110 to 120. I'm like, wow, man, this is it's getting pretty serious because at some well, then why can't it be $200 to fill up your car? Yeah, well, it could be soon. Yeah. And, but, the, you know, and the, we all we all have to work together as families like my mother-in-law lives in Kitchener. And uh, we go and get her and bring her back here for the weekend. And now with the price of gas, she agreed to give me 20 bucks. Mm. She gets in the car and <laughs> to, to offset the cost. I'm, so, I'm so surprised. We're all you, working together. I'm surprised. And last night, we had to take her home last night. And I said, you haven't given me the 20 bucks yet. <laughs> I'm surprised. Not going anywhere till I get the 20 bucks. I'm just surprised you just started charging her now. <laughs> and you're like, uh, that's 20 bucks plus tip. Plus tip, mama. Dan, what were you going to say before uh, that latest bit? Oh, that bit? Uh, I was going to say, well, I don't understand why the governments of provinces aren't calling out oil companies specifically and provinces and the government of Canada and all the other. Like, why why don't we put regulations in that say, okay, if you're going to put the price of gas up, you have to justify it. And also governments, as far as we want this much out of gas, as opposed to a percentage per per liter, we want this this much. Period. Not a percentage of the price. as it increases. You know, and yeah. where are all the fucking freedom of people? Where are all the convoy people? Why aren't they yelling freedom about this? This is something I could. I would get. I can tell you what. You guys get a, a carpool together. We'll all fucking drive to Ottawa and start yelling. <laughs> Let's do some yelling. <laughs> We wouldn't get that far. We couldn't afford it. No, exactly. As far as the provincial thing, I get it, but it's more of a federal issue, the price of gas. Well, they've all got power, don't they? I mean... No, I know. Well, Doug Ford's going to reduce it by five cents on uh, uh, on July 1st, So, but if you hate Doug Ford, then you'll find something wrong with that. You know what I mean? It's it's a bizarre thing. That's that's the problem when when you bring it down to the province. <laughs> Generally, we need well. our leader. We need our leader of this country to lead the way right now. But he's too stupid. He's probably too well, anyway. Well, probably- it's a, he, whether he is or isn't stupid, there are smart people around yes, him. Around him. Where are the smart people around him saying, Justin? We need mm-hmm. to address it. Well, to your you know, final, let's get him on TV so it's satisfying. I don't care to see him. I just care that he does that. Somebody does something. I like when, and I, whether it's provincial or federal, Dan. I like what you're saying that there should just be a set amount of tax that can't increase as the price increases. I know it doesn't mm-hmm. make. I know. I know why they do it, but like we're in some trouble here. You know. We're just, uh, you know, just, you know, getting back to the beginning of discussion of Watergate, you know, things, 
are breaking down and they always have, but they're breaking down in a way that we haven't seen before for a variety of reasons. And again, all those 30-somethings or 20-somethings, too. Yeah. I mean, that whole people that are just starting their lives and trying to become established are getting hammered here. Yeah. And nothing really is being done about it. You know, the, you talk about federally, and, and the taxes go up as the price goes up. They think pretty... They're getting all their CERB money back now. Apparently, that's the strategy, they're, that they're not in a big hurry to do anything about the taxes on gas through this because all that CERB money that went out the door, a lot of it fraudulently is now coming back through gas tax, which is pretty sad. Yeah, and you think about, you know, we had a crisis with COVID. The government reacted by giving people CERB and small businesses were helped out, and that was great. That was action. Mm -hmm. But I would say this is as... It's a different type of crisis, but it's no less a crisis. And inflation is putting pressure on, you know, all the different goods. And now, along with inflation, we've got this extraordinary amount of money we're all paying for transportation. And it's not going to end up uh, very good for folk. Uh, And again, you said it right. We can absorb it for now. But, you know, we may have to I may have to move into your shed. I'll be like a shed dweller. Again, I've said it before. You know, say somebody, they have to work, and it's like 60K or something back and forth, and they've budgeted that money, and they can't work from home. They go. They actually have to travel to work. Mm -hmm. Well, all of a sudden, what that was budgeted not long ago has doubled. At least. By the way, I'm already in Fred. Where does that money come from? Dan, what's that? You're already what? I'm already in Fred's shed, so... (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I'm going to be a shed roommates. <laughs> shed <laughs> shed mates. <laughs> okay, you just stay on your side of your side. Listen, of the we've, roof listen we've we've been roommates before. Yeah, like, we, we can, can handle we can, it. We can we handle it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Well, listen. I, I think uh, it's uh, it's incumbent on us to continue to fight the good fight, and to that end, we are happy to present our own. We have our very own newsman, Fred. Much like the newsman that we've mentioned today, we're lucky to have this character uh, inform us each and every day. Here's to a fella named Dan Duran, a hell of a guy with a hella big wang, the quintessential anchor man. His voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, the anchor man, comes as for credentials he has none. Can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, the anchorman's here He's prone to falling off his chair But he's got a big wang So he don't care And his voice is nice and low My voice is nice and Dan Duran's news today Brought to you by Health Gauge The wonder medical device you wear on your wrist Like a watch uh, But so much more Everything from heart rate value Variability to calories counted You can tell what your blood, blood pressure is At any point in the day Go to healthgauge.com Of course, the Phoenix Right now now, Humble Fred HG gets you 15% off at checkout. 15% off something that could, and I don't want to be too dramatic, save your life. Okay? HealthGage.com presents Dan Duran and the news. Here he is, ladies and gentlemen. In Boston, the Transit Authority has begun a pilot project to detect urine. 
Urine in elevators is not only unsanitary, but it ruins elevators. Mm. Urine detection (laughs) sensors will be placed in downtown elevators. The elevators on the ceiling of the elevator, uh, the sensors will be uh, attached to a fan, which allows them to suck in the air and basically smell what is present. If it's pee, the sensors alert transit ambassadors who can dispatch a cleaning crew. Yeah, that's an issue. (laughs) I thought it would keep it lighter, you know. And we can uh, maybe expand this to, you well, know, more more troubled spots. So like, is, this uh, to, is, is this a whole thing to detect pee-pee smell? Pee-pee-pee? Are people peeing in the elevator? Is that the problem? I, I believe the pee, pee elevator problem is a yeah. thing. Yeah. It is bizarre. Sometimes when you're in a stairwell or something at a parking garage and you walk in, you smell urine, you think like, why? Why, why did you have to pee here? Yeah. Like, what? Why in a stairwell? Why didn't you go over in the corner in the wide open space of the parking garage? It wouldn't smell as bad. But uh, I'm not in elevators enough to really notice that urine in elevators is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you'd think that in an elevator these days, there's going to be a security camera there now. So, But what about, you know, there, we were talk, talking about it before. Old people, all of us are going to have to deal with this incontinence. Some poor bastard's on an elevator. He can't control himself. It's just coming out. He can't help it. Then what happens, you know? Maybe you need one of these detectors on you. So the security comes, the security dashes, and, you know, it's an old guy with a diaper. What are they going to do? You, know. you sound like you're speaking from experience. <laughs> Just, uh, the guy was wondering if you could help me. Sir, did you piss in this elevator? <laughs> no, I pissed in my diaper. I'm, I'm sorry. Piss- hey, sorry, I always smell like this. <laughs> false positive. Ooh, that's right, it's a false positive. <laughs> hey, listen, fellas. It's all ha 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 until one of us is wearing uh, Depends, and then it won't be funny then. No. Although we'll, mi- you know what? I've, I'm confident we'll make it funny. I, I feel especially bad for women because, uh, you know, those commercials that says, "Oh, you know, whenever I used to laugh, I would uh, dribble, or, yeah, or trickle, or tinkle." Yeah, because women, yeah, you know, I guess their ability to hold it is a little different than men. And wouldn't that be awful? Every time you laugh, you piss yourself. Like, <laughs> well, I'll give you the cure well, for that. Guys can tie it off. <laughs> The cure for that is just listen to this show. There'll be, <laughs> you won't have, there'll be no problem with laughing and pissing. Oh, don't make me laugh. Please don't make me That's laugh. That's right. Ma'am, uh, since you have a problem with your uh, bladder, we recommend you listen to the Humble and Fred show. There'll be no laughter. It's 90 minutes of a laughter-free zone. Yeah. Um, I don't, I, we have uh, a couple more minutes before our uh, end of the show guest. Uh, Dan, did any of your research uh, come across this thing that's happened to Justin Bieber? Oh, uh, I forgot about that. Yes, the he froze his face. Yeah, with, well, uh, yeah. there's, I, I, I should have... Half of his face, yeah. half of his face, right? Yeah. We have a, a friend of ours who had the exact same syndrome, and he came on our show a couple of years ago to talk about it, and I'm referring to Adam Grow. If you go back and search... For Adam Grow, um, a couple of appearances ago, he's a very funny comedian. He does. The, he was the cash cab guy in Canada, and a very f- fantastic uh, presenter. He had the same thing, and, and and he talked about it. Basically, it's just a, a, a viral infection of sorts that has given. It took over Adam's face for months. 
Well, Adams was uh, he was shingles, right? And this no, Adam had shingles that ga- that spurred this syndrome. Ra- Ra- Ramsey Hunt. Yes, Ramsey, who is, by the way, uh, no, um, but yeah, Ramsey Hunt syndrome. But he, Adam got mm-hmm. it, got shingles first, and then it, it sort of this was part of the after effects of it. Yes. Did he fully recover? By the he way, he did. Yes. Okay. Well, for the and most part, can. yeah, you can. And I, for Justin Bieber's sake, geez, considering how he makes his living, I hope he does. I assume he will. Apparently, they got it early enough. I was reading this morning. But that video of him, eh? It's pretty shocking. Yeah, I saw it. He can't close his eye. Yeah. His right side of his face is frozen. Yeah. Just, Just uh, you know, show it goes to show you. We all God's children. And Who are we? <laughs> we're all, and every no no one's immune. No one no one gets uh, you can, anything can happen to anybody. Speaking of that all God's children. All God's children. So, it's Pride Week or Pride Weekend, whenever, last week, I, I don't know. I've Pride it. Month is June. Pride Month. Yes. Is it Pride Month? It okay. is Pride Month now, yes. Didn't it used to be a day, then a week, now it's a month? I, I, uh, I don't know. Anyway, the Tampa Bay uh, Rays, the baseball team. Yes. Like a lot of other teams, they thought they would acknowledge it and then put their logo uh, in, sort of in the rainbow type thing. Sure. On their hat. Yeah, during, very nice. Eight players refused to wear it. Did they now? <laughs> and two, two, yeah, eight of them refused. Wow. And and they issued a statement saying, listen, it's great. People can do whatever they want, and it's super and wonderful, and we have no problem with pride. But we, as religious individuals, just in all good conscience, yeah. cannot wear that logo. Because it says in the Bible, this was their explanation. It says in the Bible, you know, one man should not lie with another. Yeah, all yeah, the other yeah, yeah, bullshit yeah. that's yeah, in yeah. that book. For sure. And, and that, <laughs> can you imagine in 2022 being one of those eight guys? Like, where do you get to come out and actually admit that? That because of something in the Bible, you're going to take that move. You're not going to wear that logo. Like, it's just. Well, I think what, if we learned anything from COVID is that there's way more stupid people than we could have ever imagined. Mm-hmm. I, I, there's another story to this, too. There's a, I, I, again, I know it's, it's scary. Uh, outside of Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, on the weekend, they discovered 20 or 30 guys all packed in a, a van who were going to go and disrupt the pride parade. Mm-hmm. And, and my first thought was, who, can, who has the fucking energy for that? Like, how do you how do you have so much intolerance within you and hatred and, and intolerance and more hatred that you care to disrupt what people are? Let them celebrate whatever they want. Like that part. I mean, forget the nefarious part. They all got dressed up. They're all these kooks, these white supremacist kooks that were going to they, they go and shoot themselves doing these videos, disrupting people just having a, a nice day. Mm-hmm. Like, how could you care so much that you would get in your clothes and go into a van <laughs> with yeah. a bunch of other dudes? Like, that's what I thought was also ironic. It's like 20 guys protesting a bunch of, you know, gay pride things all got dressed up exactly the same and, you know, jammed next to each other in a van. Is there anything gayer than that? You know, I've said it before. And again, I'll I say that it. respectfully, this, by the way, this all comes the resurgent of hate and intolerance since yes. the emergence of Donald Trump. I'm telling you, it's all part of it. So many people have been emboldened on so many levels. 
It's just bizarre. But even the guys with the baseball hats, it's like nobody's asking you to be gay. Nobody's asking you to endorse homosexuality or transgender, whatever. All we're doing is, as an organization, acknowledging this event. They, you know, they stand out and they refuse based on religious beliefs. It's it's just so backwards. Which which is why we all think, if you have a brain, that, you know, religion poison. It it, it, it is. And like I've said this to you guys before, it just has such an immaturity. It's mm-hmm. so immature, and, and and I'm not talking about people that have faith. That's fine, but to refuse because you read a, a passage in a book that was written hundreds of years after uh, it was it was put together by a bunch of men. Uh, anyway, Dan, do we have any? Do you have another story uh, for us before we get to our guest from Transition Metals? <laughs> well, I think we should just leave it uh, until tomorrow. Really? So, I mean, I, yeah. Well, because we, well, because you know, I was trying to have like a bridge because yeah. we had humble and yeah. Fred outrage and hatred, and I was trying yes. to have, maybe you have a pleasant story. I don't. Uh, as no, a, you the don't. Next story okay, is not well, so pleasant. Not so pleasant. Well, well maybe really, but, people, died? Know, people died. No, no people died. No, but it's not. It's not. It's another. You know, you could get you angry. So, okay. well, let's, I'll tell you let's what. Put that up till tomorrow. How about? Can you give us a hint of the type of musical uh, performance we are going to look forward to tomorrow? Uh, before we introduce our next guest, uh, my role is a gigolo, and it's it's a it's a musical uh, fundraiser for uh, an organization in Peterborough, and they said, "Who can yes. we get?" To bring some profile, and they chose broadcaster, weatherman, anchorman, actor, singer, Dan Duran. Yes. And uh, I saw this online. I was very excited to talk about it. And uh, it's Thursday night in Peterborough. Tomorrow, Dan will give us all the details. So Humble and Fred fans in Peterborough can go uh, check this out. Mm-hmm. Thursday and Friday. Thursday, you're doing two, a two, two, two shows. Two shows. It's a two show run, yeah. Wow. Sorry, did you mention the venue? I, I didn't catch that. It's a Peterborough Theater Guild. Oh, the wow. Theater, okay. theater Guild. In and uh, how many people are they expecting? Is, is that is is that like a, a big trailer or something? Uh, <laughs> it's a building. Oh, it's a building. It is a theater that they own, <laughs> and it's, uh, it's got two hundred and thirty-seven seats or something. Amazing! Like that. It's not yeah. a big construction trailer or anything. <laughs> <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> Come on now. It's a school bus. It's It's a converted school bus. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) With a tarp. Hey! It's it's tarp uh, where the screen should be. Come on, you guys. It's legitimate Peterborough Theater. Our Dan Duran playing a gigolo. Uh, How many songs are you singing? I'm involved in one song. Okay. One song. Tomorrow we're going to get a preview of that. I can't wait, my friend. And uh, Mm -hmm. I'll tell you what, we're going to. we're going to do this thing. If you want to come back in, at, uh, not this thing. We're going to do a very nice interview here in a second. Uh, do you want to just pop back in to end the show in about 10 oh, minutes? Oh, the ending the show part, yeah. Yeah, okay. do you mind? I'll do it. No, no, I don't mind. I'll get all, right. all ready for that. Yeah, Fantastic. How, right. how should I end it properly is the question that will be going through my mind. Yeah, well, there's lots of uh, stuff for you to think about. Right. You know what? There's yeah. lots of stuff for all of us to think about. Yeah. We'll end <laughs> this right. Don't worry. Okay. All right. Thank you, Dan Duran. Listen, now that Dan's gone, we can get to some serious business. Uh, 
man, we you know you can't help but have seen the commodity prices are volatile. We were talking about it this morning is the rising demand for the metals of the future, like copper, cobalt, and nickel, needed to make electric vehicle batteries and other green technology. Battles against the forces of concerns about global growth, the war in Ukraine, and continued pandemic lockdowns in China. Our next guest says investing in these metals in Canada, one of the safest places to do businesses in the world, is where it's at, regardless of the day-to-day price fluctuation. He's Scott McLean, CEO of Transition Metals, a project generator that takes the risk out of exploration. And he's probably thinking to himself, who did I hire to get me on this show? <laughs> he's like, wait, he's like, wait a second. I'm on the humble and I'm a grown man on the humble and Fred show. But I promise you, Scott, welcome. I think it's going to be a lot of fun for you. Plus, we've got some great information to share with people. Well, Howard, this is my second visit with you, and so mm-hmm. I enjoyed it so much the first time. I thought I'd uh, come back and uh, have another chat with you. Well, then you well, know what to expect, Scott. Yeah. Then you know what to expect. But let's get right to some of the actual uh, sure. meat of this. Uh, first of all, you look great. Uh, secondly, what is going on in the commodity market? It seems like it's all over the place. And let's start with copper. I know that's been in the news. What's happening in that sector? Well, I mean, like a lot of the base metals, uh, you know, they're basically a supply and demand kind of uh, commodity. Uh, when when industrial production goes up in the world, there's more demand for things like nickel and copper for construction, for new infrastructure projects and so on. But bolted on top of that is this whole electrification of, uh, of, of society essentially across the world. And when we look, you talked about EVs and, and uh, um, electric vehicles. I mean, that's really where we're seeing a lot of demand coming. If we look at... Uh, at things like nickel, for example, you mentioned copper. I'll speak to that in a second. I mean, we're looking at a, probably a 59% growth in the nickel supply uh, by by 30 uh, by 2030, and seeing probably estimates of a uh, 40 to 45 million uh, EVs on the road at that point. So wow. you switch it over to the copper side. Currently, a, a combustion engine vehicle consumes about 23 kilograms or 50 pounds of copper for each vehicle. When we started getting into the EV world, we're looking at, at three and a half times that amount amount of copper. So we're looking at increasing that um, to about 83 kilograms. And if we got 44 million cars on the road, that just uh, excites the, uh, the the demand for it, um, where we'll see copper probably, the demand for copper probably double in the next five years uh, just to meet that market. So so the electrification, not just EVs, but other parts of the, uh, the society are really kind of bringing a lot of attention to some of these these metals and the volatility i can't really speak too much on there's still the demand is there and uh and with the uncertainty around the world on on you know supply uh chains and so on is probably affecting um the uh, some some of that short short cycle uh, right. volatility that you're seeing so, so your company transition metals do you have any ongoing copper projects right yeah. now yeah, sure. We have four, uh, essentially, out of the 22 across uh, across Canada that we have, four are, are pure copper projects to co- co- a couple of sedimentary hosted copper, which are big scale type copper uh, exploration projects, one in Newfoundland and one in Saskatchewan, and then a couple of copper gold projects in, in Ontario. Um, so those, those are all, uh, we're all looking for partners to come and help us with those those projects, but we will be working a couple of those this year with uh, internal funds. You know, um, there, there seems to be a lot of global risk out there, but as I said in the introduction, you know, Canada still seems like a good place to invest. Why is that? 
Well, you know, it's, it's, it's stable. You know, we know what to expect. There is a, a good regulatory uh, framework here to work around. Uh, there's a good environmental lobby that keeps things in check, too. Um, uh, good markets are some, some of the biggest uh, mining markets in the world and a good, good workforce. But the bottom line is we kind of know the rules. The rules are, are laid out on how we do our business. And if we follow those rules, we essentially have a good opportunity to uh, maintain our land tenure and, and, and um, turn our investments into something that's, that's, uh, that's valuable, value added to, to the economy. So it really comes down to the regulatory uh, framework that okay. we have in this country. Now, you touched on it a bit, but why are base metals going to be so strong in demand over the next couple of years? Well, it's, it's going back to exactly what I said. I mean, for traditionally, the base metals have really um, been in cycle with industrial production. When economies start to grow and governments start to uh, invest in infrastructure, that just puts a huge demand on, on the raw commodities uh, that, that we need, whether it be iron, nickel, copper, um, and so on. Uh, and then with this additional new technologies um, coming into, into mm-hmm. play, that's just you know, really kind of uh, escalating the, the demand that we're going to have in the future. So, you know, I think it's still, even though we're seeing some rocky markets right now, stock markets, we're mm-hmm. still pretty bullish on these commodity prices uh, sustaining through this uh, little pullback we're having and, uh, and, 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 been there for the long term. Well, Scott, we're we're quite a bit older than you. We can just tell you, you know, not being a, you know, even though we're laymen, but you'll see the prices will fluctuate over time. Scott, you already know this. Hey, listen, one of your projects is the Mod Lake project. First of all, yeah. where where is that and what's happening there? Well, that's in northwestern Ontario. That's near Scriber um, and the Pace Platte First Nation. Uh, that uh, that that project has been around. It's a high grade nickel project. Uh, okay. We have massive sulfide high tenor nickels right at surface. Now, this showing has been known and uh, and has seen some drill holes by some other companies in the past. What we've done though is we've gone out and flown a airborne geophysical survey that looks for conductors, and we have a beauty. And it's not been tested, and it's just right associated with that known surface mineralization. So we're out there right now doing some trenching and mapping, uh, preparing the area for, for drilling. And I'm, that's, that's, you don't see these uh, significant conductors associated with known mineralization that are untested too often. So we're, we're pretty excited about this. And we hope to get our own uh, money into the project and drill it uh, towards the end of the summer. Okay. What about outside of Canada? We don't have anything currently outside Mm. of Canada. We're not really focused on generating projects outside Canada, although we do look at the odd project that comes across our desk. But most of our um, most of our projects, all of our projects are in Canada. That's where we have, um, you know, our expertise, where we have our our databases, where we really have our competitive edge. Okay, And uh, I, you know. A lot of people listening are, you know, these these commodities and, and gold and, and copper. What do you think, and they might be listening thinking, what should I be investing in? What do you think the biggest risk to investing is right now? That's a tough question. I mean, really, we're seeing a lot of uncertainty out in the, the global space. You know, we've seen, uh, you know, disruptions by Russia and Ukraine. Uh, we've seen inflation really take hold here and drive uh, um, uh, drive inflation high and interest rates higher. Uh, and that's really getting a lot of people nervous, I think, in the market as they take their discretionary funds back and hold on to them rather than putting them in the market. And with the volatility oh, see, yeah. you see right now, you look at the VIX uh, index, which measures volatility of the market. It's it's creeping up there. It's it's a, it's at about thirty two, which is a high number uh, this morning, and uh, and um, 
and and if it goes in much higher, that could really kind of put a tumble into the markets, even more of a tumble into the markets. So to answer your question, without skirting around it too much, I think uh, you know uncertainty and inflation are things that are going to kind of uh, creep, creep back and. and people to tighten their, their purse strings in terms of investing uh, in, in pure marketplace. Well, what you said yeah. about discretionary income, that's the stuff that's not being put into the markets. Go ahead, Freddie. No, and gold, uh, gold has always been considered like a safe haven. Can you see that accelerating? Yeah, I mean, I do. I do, yeah. and I'm surprised that yeah. it hasn't done better. I mean, it's still strong. It's sitting mm-hmm. at that 18 to 18.50 uh, U.S. an ounce. Uh, that's a good price for gold. But you know, when, like you said, when you um, when when you have uncertainty, when you have inflation, um, you know, the safe and, and safe havens are gold. Gold protects mm-hmm. you against your deflation of your of your currency. And it's it's and to me, I think it's it's got some upside there, uh, quite a bit of upside over the next number of months. You've got a couple projects here. I want to sort of combine them. Sunday Lake is one of them. And that's a, one of your big projects. And yeah. Saturday night is another one. Yeah. Who, first of all, who names them? No, I don't want to know. Uh, but but tell us a little bit about Sunday Lake and Saturday night. Sure. So those are two great projects. They're in a different uh, space, which is the uh, Platinum Palladium uh, kind of uh, format or, or, wow. or, or sector. So, uh, and those, those are hard deposits to find. And Sunday Lake is is important on a worldwide scale. We discovered that in 2013. The, uh, we, we hope to be able to get a maiden resource out on it um, in, the next, in the coming months. But the size of the uh, mineralized uh, body is about uh, you know, 1,500 by 800 meters in size and up to 60 meters thick. So put that in context, about the size of 225 football fields and up to 14 stories thick. Wow. So this is an important deposit. We have a, a part, great partner there, Impala, well, two partners, Implats Holdings, which has a subsidiary called Impala Canada, and they're helping us with that project. We have a 25% free carried interest on that through to feasibility. So that's, that's a good, uh, good project for our shareholders. And what we have right beside it is a project called uh, Saturday Night, which is a lookalike in every way to Sunday Lake hmm. uh, in terms of its geology, its geophysical signature, its geochemistry. Um, and uh, we've only put one drill in it, hole in it. We own 100% of it, and that single drill hole is mineralized, and it's a better discovery intersection than the one we had at Sunday Lake. So we hope to get that one uh, revved up this year as well and get these two projects moving forward together. Well, listen, my friend, what an interesting conversation. As always, Scott McLean, the CEO of Transition Metals. Um, I wanted to ask a question because we were discussing the price of oil, and I know that's not part of what we were you know, briefed on in terms of uh, transition. But just would you do you have any thoughts? And is it okay to ask about, you know, what uh, Canadians are experiencing now in terms of the price at the pump and, and how like do you have I'm, I'm sure I'm, the only reason I ask God is because we don't we don't have access to someone like you very often. <laughs> no, and I, I, I'm being well, serious. Like, and, and again, if you don't want to, again, it's not part of this because no, no, what no. you're all about is is different is is copper, gold, yeah. and, and such. But do you have any thoughts about that that might might be of interest to our listeners? Well, I don't know. Like, I mean, we're the, the supply is crimped, right? And that's all part of the you know. Um, embargoes on Russia and so on. And that's really kind of uh, restricting the flow of oil into uh, into uh, the different markets. Um, and that definitely affects us here in Canada. It's unfortunate, I think, that we, you know, 
we don't didn't weren't able to get our pipelines in place uh, mm-hmm. before this all happened. This Russian Ukrainian thing happened because I think if we did have an eastern pipeline um, across Canada to to the east coast and one to the west coast, I, I do think that we would we would be able to kind of help out the world and and uh, and and be able to supply some of those European markets with. Okay. Uh, with with the uh, oil so um yeah i don't know i, I don't know where where it's going to go but if uh, things continue to be uh constrained we're going to continue to have to pay those high prices at pumps well fair enough my friend uh for more information about transition metals uh scott where would you like people to go and find out more about what this company is doing and by the way it's mine i think all the mining companies are in town for the big mining convention well, um i got my suit jacket i was gonna say aren't you supposed to be at a, a conference at some point so how do people find out more about transition well, they'll obviously go to our website. Uh, we um, uh, that's www.transitionmetalscorp.com. So three words into one. And we also have a, a Facebook and a Twitter site and a LinkedIn site as well. So you can follow us on social media. Uh, happy to take any calls. Uh, there, uh, my phone number is seven zero five six seven seven six one seven eight. Wow, so lots of ways to get a hold of us. Good for you. Great to talk to you again. Yeah, yeah, Scott. Good seeing you again. And then you have fun at the mining convention. You be safe, young man. Okay. <laughs> not so young. Oh, yeah. Well, compared to so me. not so sure that you're old. <laughs> well, trust me, we are. We feel uh, it. We do feel it. Uh, have a great time this weekend. Thanks for dropping back in. And I appreciate your candor. And it's always great catching up with somebody that you know, has a grown-up perspective on the world. Scott, take care. Thanks very much. All right, man. Thanks, buddy. And there's a lot of stuff that uh, that guy knows. Yeah, and it's interesting too. You brought up the fact that gold has always been such a safe haven for people, and you know, offset some investment worries. You know, you know, and it's crazy copper how that's become a, like a precious metal. Yeah. Like when they're building uh, subdivisions and stuff, they need security because people go in and steal the copper piping, and it's 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 something. Well, what he said about the, uh, you know, 2030 mm-hmm. seems like a science fiction number, but that's only, uh, you know, eight years away. Mm-hmm. And when he talks about the amount of electric vehicles on the road, mm-hmm. yeah, we're going to be, you know, hopefully helping, you know, in terms of the environment. But there's a, there's a big demand for those metals that go into keeping them on the road and the batteries and all that stuff. Uh-huh. You know, is this one of those moments where we should be investing in stuff and we didn't? <sighs> And then he talks about the convention. I love conventions, you know, whoopee cushions. You take a whoopee cushion or those buzzers, you know, you shake a guy's hand and it gives him yeah. a shock. Or Fart buzzers or whatever. Uh-huh. Good for or you. you. You know, yeah. you go up to pat a guy on the back with a sign that says, kick me. Kick me. That yeah, kind yeah. of stuff. That's the type of stuff yeah, you do it's good. conventions. Yeah. Have you not been to a convention since the 50s? Is that, is that what you're talking about? Oh, I got. A, I just got an email from Canadian Music Week. Thank you for joining uh, to celebrate forty years. Yeah, there yeah. must have been some wiggling at that. Oh there yeah, man. Oh yeah, dude. Whether you know some some people decided not to go, yeah. or when they were there, no, I had no idea. I had no idea. No, I just don't No, I had no idea. No, no, no. I do wonder if uh, how many times that not only did the Derringer thing come up. I wonder how many times the uh, Humble and Fred were mentioned. Like, oh, did you hear those pricks? Oh, they're probably just uh, overjoyed. Anyway, anyway. By the way, I just put it up on our uh, Twitter on the Twitter site. I put it up this morning that on the twenty. 
23rd. Uh, Thursday, June 23rd at the Greenwind Theater on Young Street. Uh, if you go to my, I, I did it on ours and uh, on my personal tweet, uh, Twitter feed, uh, Remembering Andrew Crystal. Uh, it's going to be, I guess, a celebration of life starting at 730 Unfortunately, I'm going to be out of town, and so are you otherwise occupied. So we will not be there that day. You know, we'll obviously, I know we're going to lie. I, I'm bummed out because I, I, I wanted to go, actually. I thought part, to, to pay respects to mm-hmm. Andrew, but also because I knew mm-hmm. we'd know so many people there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just bad timing for us. Yeah. So check it out on our on both of our. I haven't put it up on Facebook, but I go to our Twitter feed and you'll see the details around uh, Andrew's uh, memorial. I guess. Maybe we could send Dan on our behalf. Mm-hmm. If he's not, oh, uh, you know, but uh, by the, once Dan gets back into the theater, he's going to be. A, he'll probably be a Stratford. He'll be a Stratford next week. And I don't. Uh, and I sometimes I wonder where Dan really respects the dead because he can't even remember when they died. Oh no! <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Dan doesn't cherish the dead. No, Dan's no all about today. I cherish. I cherish the memory of oh, them, yeah. but not necessarily the date of them. Dan's like that uh, that meme with the dog. It's always now o'clock to Dan Duran. It's always today. <laughs> <laughs> it's always now. He doesn't care about anything in the past. It's always, what time is it to, on Dan's watch? Now. My, my son, Daniel, uh, for a buddy, was dog-sitting this weekend, and he brought it here for a couple of days. It's a uh, French bulldog. Yeah. Cute little thing. They I mean, are so cute. Ugly, it's cute. Yeah, yeah, I love them. But, but so laid back, this dog, eight months old, and it was like, no bother. He 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 didn't seem he doesn't seem to have the anxiety problem that Stan has. Well, yet, very few dogs do. Yeah, but Stan. that's a trait with a Boston Terrier. I, I it? think a little bit, but the, you know the the French Bulldog is like the official dog of you know the the millennials and the thirty somethings. It's crazy. Like in the East End, yeah. where I used to take Stan to this dog park, every other dog was a French Bulldog. But. Um, uh, speaking of Stan, I, I got a uh, Facebook notice that I think it was Friday. We we celebrated our Stan anniversary. Mm. It was ten years ago that we took. We, I, I brought Stan home. Ten years, man. Oh, come on, yeah, baby. June tenth was our Stan anniversary. And you took a before and after picture, or or then and now picture. Yeah, I yes. did a then and now picture. It was, it was very nice. Very yeah, nice. Stan. Okay. I brought Stan home as a puppy. He was sitting in my arms in my car, and then I took another picture of Stan now, and he's all. Kind of like me, all gray and withered. <laughs> Poor Stan. He's, I'll tell you what, he's having trouble at the end of the day, just like Dad, going up those stairs, man. Mm. Are you both going to diaper at the same time, you think, too? I think so, yes. Yeah. Well, I'm, I've told you both. Like, when Stan goes, I'm going with him. Oh. I'm okay. going with him. I'm going to say, give, my, me, the, uh, give me that shot. I had shot. a conversation uh, with my mother-in-law. She, It's funny, some conversations you have. She doesn't like the way people are naming their dogs after, like, human names yeah, anymore. Yeah. And because this dog's name was Douglas, which is the perfect name for this dog. Yeah. You look at, you look at it. And it but she likes Spot and, um, you know, and all that. King. And, and, yeah, yeah. King and all those names. <laughs> it, it's funny. When, when I got Stan... Because up till Stan, all the dogs I'd, I've had have were sort of like dog, you know, not not m- m- proper names. Right. But yeah. since Stan, 
Douglas, Jerry. There's a dog that Stan plays with in this park. His name is Jerry, and it's Jerry and Stan. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of weird. I love you know? that. Yeah, Jerry's a great name for a dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clifford. That's a nice name yeah. for a dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You had a dog. On my, my first dog I had was Bingo. So yeah, now that's a dog. Like yeah, a that's a dog, dog. traditional dog mm-hmm. name. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know if I ever told you this, but for the three weeks that the family dog in Moose Jaw was a, uh, a cocker spaniel, it was a black cocker spaniel that we only had for three weeks because Brother Stephen had terrible hay fever and was allergic to the dog. But I'm pretty sure we called the dog Blackie mm-hmm. because he yeah, was because he was black. But I don't think you would call a dog that now. Yeah. Good call. Uh, other dog names. Rattler was the black lab I had. Pa- uh, Patra was the German shepherd I owned in Calgary for Cleopatra. Uh, Tucker, of course, the longtime baby dog from the other fam- you know, the other marriage. Mm-hmm. And Lo- Loman, too. I had Loman. Loman was yeah. the black lab I owned uh, here in Toronto, the Doberman black lab. Did ate your house. Did ate my, actually ate, ate a floor. And now oh. Stan, in his uh, 11th year of life, little Stan. Yeah, I had two. Both were sort of human names, uh, Barney and Billy. Although Barney was sort of like halfway. Well, no, Barney. it was uh, Barney. Barney was a co- sort of a common dog name, although it was also the name of, uh, of humans. Yeah, it's funny how that works. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. well, uh, Dan Duran, thanks for popping back in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my pleasure. I, you know, have you seen uh, Top Gun yet, Dan? You love it. No, I have not. I've not seen Top Gun. Yeah, it's really good. I mean, it's the movie doing record record yeah. business apparently. Well, right? as I said to you, this Tom Cruise has figured out how to make a nice movie. I know he's, he knows what he's doing. They love it at Fox News, eh? Because it's you know it's not woke. It's right back to you know yeah action adventure manly. Oh. Mm. <laughs> that, that, was actually, that was actually a segment I saw. Oh, I know. Oh, I was just sick of these woke things with this and that. It was just so nice to have a movie where, you know, you're not afraid to be a man. Meanwhile, it's got nothing but scenes of guys with their shirts off mm-hmm. playing volleyball. <laughs> I like a nice man with his shirt off sweating in this glistening sun. But, uh, yeah, Tom Cruise does a nice movie. The flying sequences I mentioned before are just fantastic. And uh, Is it realistic? Is there anything that's stupid? Well, I mean, as far as the aviation stuff goes, it's very realistic. And my buddy Dave, uh, best friend Dave, who I used to fly with, and I were talking about it, he says what he heard because he's connected to that sort of world, air show, military stuff. And he said that... Uh, what they did is they just they took the, a lot of the flying scenes. Those guys were in those planes, but in the movie you're seeing basically a one seater. But in the in how they shot it was they had a second, like they used two seater planes. They just CGI'd the one guy out of it. But he said, yeah, they were they were some pretty aggressive flying sequences that the actors were actually part of, including Tom Cruise. Well, he's a pilot. I didn't really realize he is a pilot. That, so, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, he does a nice movie. Uh, all right. Well, tomorrow we'll talk more about Bieber's face. Uh, Dan Duran's going to sing. Funny comedian uh, Kenny Robinson will be with us. And uh, thanks for uh, joining us for the summer series of the Humble and Fred Show. Now, once again, uh, it says. Uh, mm-hmm.
This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by Bodog, Gig Sky, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Bodog, Health Gauge, Relaxacare, and DraftKings. Email us at humbleandfred at humbleandfredradio.com. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran. We're all alive. John Chancellor is not. And remember, embrace every goddamn day. Destination, a little up the road from the habitations of the towns we know. A place we saw the lights turn low, the jigsaw jazz and the get fresh flow. Pulling out jobs and jamboree handouts, two turntables and a microphone. Bottles and cans, or just clap your hands, or just clap your hands. Oh.